Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley and as always I'm joined by one of the top five marks in wheelchair basketball podcasting history. Mark Schofield, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks man. Do you know what we were talking just now about how we were going to intro because neither of us had thought of anything stupid to start with. As you did your hello, I'm James McSorley. I was ready to chime in and try and like harmonize with you on your normal um, but you got straight to it there so you threw my plan out. Ah, sorry. Um, I'm trying to trying to streamline the whole thing. Do you think we could do a <laughs> podcast without any ums or likes or no? We no chance. No, absolutely no chance. Not because happy. we have to fill the space between clicking a link and it opening because we couldn't possibly talk on memory about games that we say we've watched and have watched. Well, you also could just do what I do and have them all open. <laughs> And just flip from one to the other. I feel uh, like my laptop would sound like it was taking off. Yeah, fair that enough. That was the case. It's kind of on its last legs. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty much a desktop at this point. Like if I don't have it plugged in for more than like a five minutes, it's, it just shuts itself down. It's great. Do what I do and use your work laptop for this stuff, man. It's way more powerful than my personal laptop. Uh, yes, my job <laughs> requires a laptop. You're right. <laughs> Team cool. All right. Um, cool. Should we talk about some basketball? let's do it sorry you you lagged there for a second i assume that was you saying let's go all right so should we first of all get the games out of the way that we're not going to bother talking about let's do that all right juventud amivel malaga was probably not worth talking about although it was a weird one because it was first quarter was tied (laughs) well first quarter was tied and then over quarters three and four, Joventut scored less combined points than they did in either of the previous two quarters separately. Fifty-five yeah. so. twenty-one over three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Um, Sixty-five twenty-one. Yeah. Sorry, I'm stupid. Uh, Se- Seventy-nine thirty-five for Malaga in this one, and this is the only real note to take away from this. Depending on how much you want to put stock in it, because it's against a pretty weak team, but. This is about the third or fourth Jaime Esparza efficient game since the... Has it been back three weeks or four weeks? I can't remember. Uh, um, yeah. Four. But yeah, post-Christmas, no, post-Christmas Jaime Esparza has been, been pretty solid. He had 26 in this one on 12 from 18 shooting, and he generally looks a lot more better and more focused than he has done in the first half of the season. But again, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt because... Joe and two aren't the best team, and they got 31 of their 35 points from two guys. So shout out to them. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Let's not let's not spend too much more time here. Next one we're not going to spend a lot of time on is Bilbao 96. Um Ferrol 49. Um everyone. I do have a bone to pick with you on this one. What is it? You told me you weren't going to play much because you're going to be running your league lineups, and then I deliberately didn't really watch a whole lot of this game as it was happening because I was jumping between the other ones. And then I pulled up the stats afterwards to find out you'd played 30 minutes and scored 13 points. I think so the, you... stats are, the stats have to be wrong, though, because it says I shot a three and made it. And I certainly didn't shoot one. And anyone who knows me knows I definitely didn't make it. So <laughs> Yeah, I was skeptical of that. But, but um, It that... could have been like a half-court heave. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I... I probably scored like 10 points and they were all running layups in when we were up 50. So whatever. It was one of those where I was like, ah, we're not going to run real lineups. We're going to work on Euroleague stuff. And then it was one of those where 
you're up so much that everyone got rotated. But yeah, um, we had one, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures, which is cool. Um, yeah. yeah, it was good to get out and get a run out other side of the ball. Not much going on there. Um, Carl Schultz had 11. Um, <laughs> Lorenz Wimbo had 10 because he shoots stationary threes, which is ridiculous. Adrian Manales had 10. Yeah, not a whole lot. Yeah. Okay. Should we sweep up the other games in Germany? Uh, we should we should mention um, that Vigo and Gran Canaria happened on Sunday rather than Saturday for some reason, and seemingly because of that, there are no stats for the game. I don't know if it was like an availability of statistician problem, but that was maybe it was a. There's no Wi-Fi in Gran Canaria on Sundays. Um, yeah, they don't um, feed, they don't feed the hamster that runs around the wheel that powers the inf- powers the internet on the island. Um, no, I don't know. It was probably something like that. But yeah, I heard there was a problem with flights, Vigo getting there. There was like a flight cancellation, but they had to play this game because the winner of it went to Copa del Rey. So yeah. So Gran Canaria go win this one, 59-53 it was, and they go to Copa del Rey. Um, Did you watch this one? Yeah, I caught the end of this one. I kind of... It, I didn't realize it was coming on on the Sunday and I was driving at the time. So I like, like caught the odd bit of it in like traffic stops and whatever, but oh, that um, sounds illegal. Um, and I was, I was in the car. I wasn't, I was like alternating with Gabby. So I like caught bits of it while I was passengering. And then I watched the last like six minutes of it when I got home. Uh, okay. Yeah. Pretty fun so, game. Um, as, as you will have seen, there was a new guy playing for Vigo. Uh, whose name I forget and there were no stats for me to check this but yeah <laughs> I thought that just gives them like I was talking to someone about it and they were like oh do you know this guy's a good and I was like no but he's another like it's an extra basketball player especially while Jason Bethencourt is out like it's just they have more bodies of, like and they have more people that can play basketball and that's good because I don't know especially like Basti Kolb got put out with five fouls and like having an extra player really makes a difference. Um, but yeah, yeah they're, they're not quite at the stage of having to play with four if they have somebody foul out, but they're certainly not far off. Them and Madiba are like the most streamlined squads if we wanted to be nice about it. But yeah, um, they were there, thereabouts. Um, their good minutes kind of coincided a lot with um, foul trouble for Jorge Salazar. But the big thing in this game, I wanted to shout out Raul Vega, um, belt candidate Raul Vega, because I wish we had the stats because it felt like he shot about 80% on mid-rangers for a full game. And as we say, this game was to play for the the last spot in Copa del Rey. So big yeah. game. Yeah, shout out to Raul. Right. Speaking of no stats, um, game that went on in Germany which is actually a good watch, so I would encourage anyone to go back and watch this, except the post-game, the stream is now not working either. I don't know what's going on. This week feels like everyone's winding down on the local leagues for like Euro Cup next weekend. But um, actually, neither of these are even Euro Cup teams. Um, the hamster but... got moved over to par the streams for the Euro Leagues. That's what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, this one was Rhine River Rhinos and Trier. And I think before we chat about the game, I don't know if anyone's seen, but the big news is that um, both Kamel Khan and Uga Toprak missed this game, but have seemingly arrived in Wiesbaden now. So we're going to have 
a fully formed Rhinos team, which seems like it would be a just-in-time-for-Eurocup thing, except they're not going to Eurocup, so that's weird. So yeah, this was Rhinos getting the win, 64-59. Again, no stats. Um, And the stream, I assume, will come back online at some point. I don't know if it's just been like a technical problem but uh um, i hope so because i've not seen it i wonder if uh triar lost and we're like ha no one will ever see this but if, if that was their strategy this isn't the first game they've lost all season so they probably would have done that already i do i almost respect the audacity of anyone who would be willing to do that i don't <laughs> i don't know if you remember this there was this is going way back i think harry brown told me about it at his first junior euros was in turkey and um, it was GB Turkey as the opening game, and it was going on national television. <laughs> and apparently, uh, it was like tied at halftime. And then GB opened the third quarter with like a something like a ten nil run or something to that effect, and the game just went off TV and it went like back to news. Literally, I've never heard of that. No, this yeah. is not something that people will actually do in German league games, I imagine. But yeah, of course not. That's just, uh, any excuse to shoot on that story man, as well with it. Um, right. Yeah, next couple. So Landil eighty-two, hot rolling bears forty-one. Um, no Tommy Bowman, no Simon Brown for Landil, but seemingly no problem. And we finally got to see what all the hype was about with folklore legend Mark Bissett, who had 28 points to lead Landil. And yeah, as advertised, maybe slightly suspect that he breaks out a near 30-point game against definitely the weakest team in Germany. But, you know, we've heard enough about him from Tommy and Yannick that I I don't see why he he couldn't do the same thing against Thuringen next time they match up. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him getting, I don't see him getting the minutes to get to thirty points in a big game like that. But... Belt, belt candidate Mark Bieset, right on time to not be allowed to play Champions Cup because he's able bodied. Um, I love that. That's that's really that's really bad timing. But <laughs> this, it's like a, it's a almost spiteful on his behalf of like a look, look what you're missing out on. <laughs> um. I wonder then, if they like did the rest of that team just know it's coming in a game like this and they just yeah. spend all week feeding him in, in training. <laughs> Although I've heard you don't need to. I've heard the ball just yeah. gets there and it's up automatically. Yeah. Um, and then other one from Germany, two of the lower in the standing teams, uh, but this was Sky Wheelers 67 and Baskets Hamburg 58. So speaking of guys breaking out for 28 points, Hamburg lost this game despite 28 from Kai Muller, who I'm sure he doesn't want to leave Hamburg. And it, I think it's where he's from originally. And I'm sure he has a nice life there. But I occasionally watch these games of his and I'm like, man, I wish he would be on like a, a contending team because I think he would be extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, but not enough for Hamburg on this one. And we got 19 from Sven Diedrich and 13 from Nico Dreimuller, 14 from Tim Diedrich on the Skywheeler side. And yeah, this was essentially a battle of two teams who struggled to put points up. But that's kind of, I think 67 58 is about what I would have expected from this. Um, I definitely would have called Skywheelers to win this one ahead of time. I think this was actually one of Hamburg's better games. But if you're them, you spend all season, you know, you know you're going to take losses against the stronger teams. It would have been. I imagine both teams were 
coming out hungry for this one because this seems like a game that either side could have won. But Skywheel has got that, huh? Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, in the juniors, like, what Kai Muller was because he was kind of like a big three that played on yeah. a block and rolled. And it's interesting that they run a load of, like, like double screens for him in the mid range. Now he's kind of turned into a different sort of player out of necessity for this team, obviously. But it's 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 cool to see that sort of transformation. But yeah, this is about what I I, I would have thought. But my weird question of the day is: so Tim Diedrich with fourteen and um Sven with. 19. What is the most points by a surname in a weekend? <laughs> I'm wondering, is there like a Harry Brown, Simon Brown both get there? But I don't think so. Uh, um, what, what what level are we talking? Are we just talking about the games we cover? Because I know we're talking about like top league in each given country. Or is there like a Marty Edwards has 30 in Manchester and Lewis Edwards has 15-20 in a different game last year in Madiba. Right, okay. um, I wonder, yeah, or like Marty had 30 a game in Italy last year. Like, yeah, we'll, um, have, we'll have to deep dive it. Um, if I'm, I, I'm also if just like trying to think of if there's like a three person, like three people share the surname. Like that's probably something that's... Yeah, but but like shared surnames is not a... It's not really a thing across a lot of countries, right? It's like pretty heavy like english names and then like i guess spanish as well with certain things but like you don't come across a whole lot of like german or italian people who all have the same surname no well um no now i'm wondering if the zarzuelas have gotten there and like uh oh yeah that'll be it that'll that'll be be it it. like they both just have 25 in one get in in a game each probably not while they were playing together but why didn't we think of that? My um, yeah. What like what was what was stopping us? So there might be like a Garcia's thing with Asier and yeah, um, Adrian, and I don't know. But if anyone has ab- any stupid ideas, let us know. My absolute top answer, like irrespective of leagues and stuff, is I've definitely been at games where Harry Brown and his brother Jack were playing, and they combined for like fifty or sixty points, hundred percent. But that was that was when we were kids. <laughs> that was probably like Division Three back at home. Uh, Division Three, just running layups in. Yeah. Um, also, it'd be funny if there was just like, hey, there is no two players with the same surname that beat the Passavans. To be fair, there's two of them, <laughs> but it's always like forty-seven and ten. <laughs> like, yeah, but like honestly, that. that might be it. Yeah, that'll probably. I forgot. I didn't think about married couples. Actually, that's a that's a good shout. Because it always makes me laugh when people do the thing of like Donovan Mitchell and Robin Lopez combined for 72 points yesterday and Robin <laughs> Lopez had one. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, all right. Should we move on? Because these are the games that we said we weren't going to spend our time watching. Well, in our defense, we didn't spend any time talking about them. We just used them as a springboard to get massively off topic. Yes, that's what we do. And that's what we want to do. And it might even be what the people want. Ah, Please don't tell us if it isn't. All right. Anything else not worth... Um, my, great detail. my only take on that last stat sheet we looked at for um, Skywheelers and Hamburg is if you look at the shooting splits, it says that Skywheelers shot eight from 17 threes, which <laughs> I am almost certain they didn't. Either that or as look at when I was skimming this game, I was skimming it so selectively that I didn't see a single three point. I think I did see a three point attempt at the end of the quarter. 
But yeah, they apparently had Katarina Lang two from four, Tim Diedrich three from seven, and Nico Drymuller three from five. Which, if you're eight from seventeen on your threes, that's like over a third of their points put up on those shots. Which, if that was the case, they wouldn't be struggling offensively as much as they have been all year. So skeptical of those stats. But yeah. other than that, we'll get back to the games that we said we were going to talk about. All right, cool. So first game of the week, um, Fundacion Leganes, Fundacion FDI Leganes, and Valladolid. Yes, um, brackets Las Rosas. Um, <laughs> FDI is Spanish for brackets Las Rosas. <laughs> no, um, this, this was Valladolid sixty three, Las Rosas fifty seven. So one of the things. This, this is not any great observation. I also am not giving myself credit for anything else being a great observation. But it's always it always interests me when, a, like, a team like Vital Leader, like, okay, so we're going to spend all week pressing them. We're going to spend all week thinking about pressing them, yeah. and they haven't thought about the fact that a team like Leganes has spent all week thinking, okay, so we're, if we go four big, they're going to press us. So they yeah. just go like pass, pass, ball over the halfway line, cross, um. Lay up <laughs> like or Alexi, uh, Alexi Ruiz just above the charge circle post up. Um, and it was also just interesting if you're going to press. I I don't know, like Yelmer's not slow, but CJ is, yeah, really, really quick, weirdly quicker with the ball, apparently, but yeah. <laughs> um, super quick and super shifty. So I wonder that's a weird thing there. They kind of learned their lesson and stopped pressing at some point, but I think that kind of. I always find that interesting. There are teams that you think should be there for the taking pressing wise, but they're just so good at being like, okay, this is our press breaker. This is how we run it. We run it well, and we will get a good look in 21, 22, or 23 seconds. The, ho- the whole thing reminded me of, do you remember when we played the Shiktas however many years ago and we were like, we're quick, we reckon we can press them. Yes. And they, I, not a drop of sweat was shed from any of them at the fact we were coming up to press. They were just like, yeah. Cool man, no problem. But it's kind of oh, we needed point... to win that game by nine, and we were nine down in a quarter. I was like, ah, cool. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's an interesting point because the whole every coach will tell you when, if like you're the team that's potentially getting pressed, every coach will reiterate and be like, the point of the press is to make us rush, and therefore what we have to do first and foremost is not rush, and. I think Leganes have been pressed so much that they barely even flinch at it. Like it, in the same way that if I never spoke to you in a normal level of volume voice and I just shouted at you, it would be weird and abrasive to start with, but you would very soon be like, okay, this is just how this goes now. Yeah. Like the, sh- the shock factor is completely worn off. Um, you just you <laughs> like some sort of cayenne chicken type. <laughs> Well, the the thing with the cab chicken guy is it never wears off because he alternates between shouting and whispering at all times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the flip side of this is that Leganes' second lineup where they go Halfley and uh, Fernando Cantero around, um, what's the Argentinian low pointer called? Uh, Yadman Celis. When they can run that four big with those two more mobile guys, that they've kind of got the reputation as a not very mobile team, but when they can get those two guys in, they're not the quickest team in the world. Like they're not gonna, they might struggle against like Mercia, but they're certainly not slow by any stretch of the imagination. 
Yeah, like Huffley can move, Mendez can move. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're big Cano fans here. Cano can yeah. move. Um, but yeah, I thought um, I thought the press kind of worked initially, and then it was it basically the game became a half court battle after that, more or less. Uh, and I thought Romo was the difference for the majority of the game. Um, just. Outside shooting and running the offense-wise, I thought this was one of his better games of really taking the reins, um, especially against like having played Looney on last week. He got shut out to some extent and had to kind of scratch and claw. It felt like he was very much in control of this one from early in the game. Yeah, there are a couple of times that like he took a couple of weird quick threes, and I think it's a sort of shooter's going to shoot thing. Like, yeah. you got to get your numbers up. Um, I don't mean, I mean, that... I've maybe expressed that wrong. I think it's like, hey, if you're if you're that good a three point shooter, like fine, take some take some quick ones. Why not? But there was just a point where it was Leganes had a layup to tie it with about two three minutes to go. Um, it was like a two on one in the in transition. Um, Cano missed it, or he like turned it into a weird post up. They recovered pretty well. Went down the other end. Romo hit a shot from the elbow. Got another stop. Romo hit another shot from the elbow, and you're like, "Oh, cool, six now with two minutes to go. That's just over." Um, yeah. So just having like a closer. I've spoken about being a closer in the last couple of weeks, but just having what I think it's like that's a phrase that stands in for like having good, consistent offense and knowing where your where your points are going to come from at all times. But I was kind of surprised that like I know stuck around for that long, but. I think, uh, I think that they generally can keep a game within reach if they're, especially now they can alternate between playing slow and less slow. I think they can, they have lineups with which to stick around and kind of make it mucky and horrible. And I think that worked for them for most of the game, but they don't have a singular source of shot creation to the level of Romo, I think was the big difference. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but I think we did the thing where we kind of, we watch a game where team A is meant to beat team B, but it's closer than we expect. And we just talk about the team that lost a lot more. Um, <laughs> Cause I think that's the interesting thing to me. Like the lead winning here, isn't that interesting? It only being six is the thing yeah. that's interesting to me. And I do think once again, like oh, me talking about pace, when I talk about a uh, Fundacion FDI team, um, like, but also just, it was cool to be, to watch them be like, ah, we'll get there. Don't worry. I think they're like well coached and, a bunch yeah. of smart guys as well who they're just like don't worry we'll get there it's kind of like i don't know you see teams internationally trying to press like italy or turkey or whatever and they're like yeah we, we know like yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it it's fine um and they might have like they end up in a number situation because they pick and cross well enough that they just get like extended just above the charge circle post-ups all the time and it's like oh, okay these guys this is what they want in half court so you're just giving yeah. it to them in transition yeah. Do you ever wonder, I don't think we got to see it in this game, but do you ever wonder if Leganes were struggling to get the ball over halfway line on the press, their move would be to sit Christian Gomez just this side of the halfway line and make him shoot a half-court post-up in the hope he might hit the ring? Uh, he might. Um, that'd be great. I'm sure that's what he would like to do. He's the best. Um, yeah. Right, he's just, like he's never seen a post up. He doesn't like, and I love that. Um, yeah, just to finish this one off, Romo as well as twenty five points had eleven rebounds, 
sorry, 12 rebounds, seven assists. Uh, and Adrian Perez had 17, it was eight from 10. So that's a couple of big games in a row from him. Um, obviously, this one must have felt like a relief after going inside against the Looney on like he did all the last weekend. But yeah, Vidalid have, I think this is the second game now, they did the same thing against Mercia, but I think they've kind of proven they can pull out close games at this point, which is obviously going to serve them pretty well going forwards because they if they can keep a couple of the stronger teams within arm's reach, they can kind of battle with them. I know we didn't quite see it against Delunion last week because the closer they were up against was Terry. So yeah. there's levels to all of this, but yeah, they've proven they can, they can hang. Yeah. And also like, I think when you make a comeback to get it to six is way different to like it being at six and you being like, all right, three minutes, let's go. Like you've already made your push at that point against a team like Alunion and then it's it's just you don't get far enough. But yeah. yeah All right. Next game. Albacete sixty eight. Mercia fifty three. Yeah. I had a couple of times in this game that I just laughed watching Albacete because I was like, what do you do? Like what like there was just I don't know there were times where Mercia were like, oh God, I guess we just can't jump Philipski because there's so much going on behind us. Or I don't know, Mercia put the pressing lineup on and then Amiab counter with Lee, Phil, Harry, Ben, Oscar. And it's like, oh, oh, you're gonna press us? Cute. Like I don't know. There are just so many times where it was like, okay, we have this we have this um plan. Okay, here's the answer. <laughs> the, this one was we obviously had Lee Manning on last um Thursday or Friday, whenever it was. And one of the things he spoke about is how you watch these games against like obviously better team versus not as good but interesting team. And you kind of in your head try and reconcile how it might be. You know, oh, this could be close if, and this was a shining example of what we were talking about because it gets to the point where the game then has to be played. And you're like, oh, yeah, all that stuff I theorized was like wildly optimistic in one direction or another. Yeah. But um yeah, I thought the bit the biggest point of this game really was Phil finished with 14, but, but he had 12 in, I can't remember if it was the first quarter or first half, um, because Mercia just sat in and were like, we we'll have to live with this and Phil knocked them down, which then obviously opened up the rest of the offense. And that was when Phil started knocking them down, that was when Mercia felt like they couldn't defend in half court and they had to go to their press unit then, which is good enough against most teams. But yeah, the idea of we we can't match Albacete in the half court, so we'll have to press them doesn't, you know, you couldn't show me a team that is set up to do that currently. Yeah, it's just what we've spoken about with Marcia all year is it's like if they're playing up a level, if they can find a matchup where they go, all right, we can't really hang in half court, let's make this a full court game. But that's what Amiab want to do anyway. Like you give especially Phil Lee and Alejandro a full court. <laughs> They'd be like, all right, cool, thanks. Um, and then like everyone got involved. There was a point where like I thought Harry played really well in his 20 minutes. He was doing some cool stuff, making some cool passes, causing chaos, made his shots, and everyone shot pretty well. Um, like there was a handful of inefficient inefficiencies, but like they generally got really good looks. I think Lee has, since we've started back, Lee is one of the best players in the world anyway, but Lee's looked really, really explosive in these last couple of weeks. I don't know why. Like play, Playing against him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, what is happening right now? Like He's always been a handful, but 
oh my god yeah um, i think you see it against the two mercia bigs who are big guys but not giants uh-huh. and it's like even if he gets inside on like lalo and pablo Zazuela, it's just like yeah they're Unless he misses and the rebound falls off the other side of the ring to where one of them is, like there's not a whole lot they can do about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this was um, Albacete obviously aren't having to tune up for Champions Cup, but yeah, they look as convincing as anybody right now. So they, as we discussed, they get to just sit back and watch the chaos unfold. Yeah. Um. So, not much. Yeah, this is one of those games where you're like, ah, maybe, but it's not maybe that like that. I mean, I'm never going to lose a game like this. Be like, maybe it'll be interesting for long enough, but yeah. no, pretty quickly, yeah. not the case. Speaking of games that were interesting for long enough, this was Illunion eighty four and Mediba seventy six. So this was closer than I expected. Artificially made to look a little bit closer by the fact Mediba won the fourth quarter by five. Um. But yeah, this was an eight-point game, and Jose Leap only played 25 minutes for Madiba. So, um, I mean, they they technically lost his minutes by more, but I think that's like factoring in the little bit of garbage time at the end where Madiba clawed it back a little bit. So this was like weirdly closer than I would have called. Um, I think yeah. this is a kind of typical Illunion game where they come up against him quicker and maybe slightly more up for it team and they're like just you know let them run wild and burn themselves out we'll beat them down the stretch when they're tired and we can bring Terry in for a luxury of you know 16 points in 22 minutes um but yeah Illunion maybe weren't taking this game as absolute peak importance when they started Paco Quiles over Tom and Ilthorn um Hasso off the bench as well so Read into that what you will, but I think I guess credit to Madiba in terms of they at least realized the opportunity was there for them and did their best to take it. They got 33 from uh, Salvador Sandoval, 17 from Joey Margranados, and 14 from John Hernandez. But yeah, Illunion just too much scoring spread. And like I say, when you can use a game to see what you've got and then bring Terry off the bench to seal the deal, you're probably not going to lose too many games against yeah. weaker competition. Oh yeah, uh, this was chaos. Like I think that was the thing, like the first quarter was 21-20 and it was just end-to-end and that really suits Madiba who are physical and quick and are kind of playing up against a very good Alunian team and then as soon as they kind of went, alright no, hold on, let's like, let's not let's not have this game just turn into a race um, as soon as they kind of slowed it down, controlled it a bit more, they took it away handy enough. And there was one point that made me laugh where it was like mid to end of second quarter where they ran what I think their best lineup is, which is the three big with Greg and it was Pablo Lavandera. It'll be Sarah Revuelta in uh, Champions Cup for points reasons, probably. Um, but <laughs> there's a point where it was like Terry and Hasso in the two-man game they threw the ball that way and they just left a two-on-one on the weak side and were like happy enough to still throw the ball to Terry behind the screen even though the help was already down there <laughs> and he just like he was like oh, I'm tight to the screen of one of the biggest men in the world 
yeah. what are you going to do? And he just like hit contested post ups anyway. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a little bit indicative of the Illuminium advantage when you look at the fact that Hasso played 15 minutes and only had four points, but he was plus 13 in those 15 minutes. Um, and that's probably a symptom of Madiba having a couple of bigger guys, but similar to what we talked about in the Amir Abba Mercia game, having a a couple of decent sized guys isn't going to help you against the giant until the rules change to let people sit on each other's shoulders. Yeah. Did you see Terry hit that fadeaway on the right baseline that was so good that the Mediba coach went to high five and when he made it, he was like, I, didn't see, I did see the shot. I didn't see the coach high five. Yeah, he stuck his hand out and I I can only, is it like he stuck his hand out and then I think he like patted him on the back because like, what is <laughs> happening? But yeah. Um, That's so funny. But yeah, so Illusion had five six different lineups that were all in the plus um yeah five guys in double figures as well they got 18 two 16s 14 and 10 from Paco Quiles Bill Latham Terry Bywater uh Amadou and Greg respects I don't know why I stopped with the second names halfway through that um because you just cut to people who you're like, yeah, I know this guy, but it's interesting how some guys you know by one name and some guys you know by yeah two. I feel like Amadou is low-key one of the most one name guys in the world I don't yeah, know. because like how many other Amadou's are there that people all know, I guess, is the thing. Like like if you're talking about this team and you talked about Danny, people would be like, which one? But um but no, I think there's no shame in against a pretty good team. Like Mediba are a pretty good team at this point. Like they're still they're just thin on the ground, but like throwing out a load of different lineups to see what works and only some of them like being the right answer. And yeah. yeah. This is the yeah. thing we talk about. We talk. I talk about it with Landil more than anyone, but Alunion have the same thing where it's like, yeah, they just have someone's going to be going at some point. Yeah, the um, tiny bit of unintentional comedy from Madeira enjoyed is that um, I, I don't know if he's new, if he's joined partway through the season, but they've got now a sixth guy, uh, Musa Gozibi, and he wears number 94, which I can only assume is either... <laughs> George or Phil's old vest that was lying yeah. around. It's still tipped. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, that, that cracked me up. I don't know. The only thing I wonder about this game is I'm not sure why Jose Leap only played 25 minutes. Um, I don't know if there's anything with the stats that informs me. It doesn't look like it was a foul situation and it didn't seem like that in the game. Um, yeah, I'm not a bit sure. More size, I guess. Like, yeah. maybe it's bigger. Like, I wonder if they were like, ah. But that's a weird thing where it's like a misdiagnosing the problem. Like, ah, they're beating us because of size. You're like, ah, it's probably quality. Like, <laughs> keep your best players on the floor. Like, sometimes that's the answer, but more often yeah. than not, you're like, ah, is it this? Mm. Very rarely is adapting to match the better team the good strategy. Yeah. Like, stylistically, like you generally need to do something that takes them out of what they're doing, not allows them to do what they're doing. Yeah, don't, don't adapt to what's happening. Adapt to how or why it's going on, maybe. But that's that's all right. very Shall nonsense. Shall we cover off these couple of Germany games? Yes. So, next one. one was Munsterland 54, Thuringen Bulls 78. And we are as big Munsterland fans as anybody, um, the important thing to note from this game is that Zoran Mulo was not present for Munsterland, and had he been, they probably would have won this game. By a hundred. Um, <laughs> yes. 
If the um, best player in the universe isn't there for you, what are you going to do? Yeah, um, exactly. yeah, I don't know why he's missing, but hope everything's fine, obviously. Um, yeah. Big Soren Miller fans on this podcast. Yeah. Um, it's uh, also so funny that we spoke about whether it was all right to keep this bit up, and he was like, yes, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I quite like it. Um, but yeah, this was... I mean, Munsterland have kind of made their bones since Ilsa Arts joined the team. They've primarily committed to going with four bigs around her, uh, which they were able to still do with their extra Dutch guy who I'm going to get laughed at for trying to pronounce his name. So I'm just going to say number 20. Um, but yeah, they... Hey, either either get in touch or any Dutch person, please get in touch and make sure we have our pronunciation right because we don't like doing this to people that we don't want to butcher names either. How many minutes are we going to... Is this podcast going to be released for before Mendel sends us a voice note? Uh, it, it'll be like 24 hours. He'll probably listen to it the day after. Hi, Mendel. Um, um, but yeah, um, they still were able to go four big, but they're doing that, missing their best and really only sole source of outside shooting. So... That's going to be a tough formula when you're going against two of the biggest guys in the world and a good complement of outside shooting around them. Um, Kaluski with 24, Vahid with 14, and Jordi Ruiz has come off the bench for the last couple of games and he had 18 in this one. I'm not sure what the reason behind this is. It seem, It would seem like a given that you would start him, but I don't know if they are trying to do the like the thing that NBA coaches love to do to show how deep their team is, where they're like, hey, we bring our, you know, third or fourth best guy off the bench to, you know, play against the second units kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Like, yeah, you have like a point guard, like the Patty Mills thing, where it's like yeah. he still comes off the bench because you need someone to run the team, but it's not like you're stopping five for five. So like, yeah. but yeah, him and Ari came in and did the whole Turingen like two-man hustle kind of just... um pressing for the sake of it thing and i mean like it it, it works yeah. it slows people down but it's not like you're not going out to stop chairs i actually quite like it but um one thing that munsterland did quite well and it's more they did the opposite of something that i have as a pet peeve in wheelchair basketball is like they would get a man out and they would run and they would like still look for early offense because i hit nothing more than like get a man oh, out you set up like shooter behind a screen two men on the like two men or women on the other side and then you just wait to see what happens because you're like it's you you it's okay so you've got a you don't have a numbers advantage but you have a space advantage and you go okay they're coming three two what we're five on four for half a second bang and it's like at which so point fast. at which point the fifth defender is sprinting back into the picture and everybody else has been sat still up <laughs> was like, yeah they're recovered in no time whatsoever yeah. the four spot on the weak side comes over and it's like yeah if you get like a if you do like a two-man like trailer down the middle, like a lot of teams run yeah. now, you maybe get more of an advantage. But they were kind of content to go, okay, we're four on four, we're massive. Um, let's try and cut and get inside. And that's where kind of I yeah. saw a lot of their offense coming from early doors, but obviously just not enough. There we were big Munsterland fans, but like during an just the better team. Um yeah. top to bottom. Haluski with twelve from thirteen shooting, which is <laughs> hilarious. Jokic stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, this was this kind of went how it was meant to go. I would I would be interested to see how this game would have looked with Zoran Miller in the picture, but I this strikes me as he might have added like let's say fifteen points onto Munster's total. I have no difficulty believing that Thuringen would have 
being able to dial the intensity up a notch had the situation demanded it. Yeah, for sure. This probably would have ended in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Right. Shall we move on to possibly the surprise game of the week? I mean, I was surprised. Were you surprised? I was most surprised indeed. Colony 64, Hanover United 60. Um, I still can't really... I watched this game... I think I caught all of it after the first five minutes and I re-watched the fourth quarter when Hanover went on their run to try and bring it back. And I still can't really work out how they got so far down to start with. It's just... This, <laughs> this is like... I think we're ha- having to have a game of our Cologne actually good because they feel like they should have been for a while now and they have they just objectively haven't been. And it feels like they caught Hanover on a game where they figured it out. Yeah, I think there was just a run in the second quarter that they went from tied-ish to like up 10. Like Cologne went plus 10 at some point in the second quarter. Um, It obviously didn't, like they only won that quarter by five. But you know what I mean? Like there was a point that they stretched it out. And it was, I find it interesting because it was like, do you ever get a, you get like a demo run through of how to run a certain play and the coach goes, okay, so first option is this. And then if that doesn't work, you go to this. And then if they stop this, then we have this open. They were running high pick and roll stuff where uh, with Bullet Kodal and Mustafa Korkmaz, and it would be like, okay, first option, um, Kodal comes up and picks and then follows a one to the baseline layup. Okay, second option, they cover off that and Mustafa Korkmaz just pulls it from the free throw line. Okay, third option, they manage to let the one cut through, but stop the big. Okay, you throw it into the one who makes his layup and finishes pretty well. Um, and then they helped over and Asael Shabo hit two like big catch and shoots from the weak side. And it was like, okay, like you've covered, yeah, you've gone yeah. through every possible read off this high pick and roll and that you've adjusted defensively every time and you've pushed them further down the line and they've made another shot. They also just like hitting six in a row in that, will make a difference, but yeah. Yeah, that that sequence you're talking about felt like... Do you remember... I don't know if they... I've not played NBA 2K really forever, but do you remember they used to do the mode on NBA 2K where you could, like, pick a team and then run their set offenses against, like, mm-hmm. just semi-passive defense, and it would put, like, the arrows on the floor for you to, like, run around this pick, like, pass it in this direction. Yeah. And it, literally felt like they were doing that for about four or five minutes there. Um, just the progressions that happened. But yeah, I mean, it was 35-25 for Cologne at half time here. And it felt like this game would have been so in hand if they'd have gotten a good start to the third quarter. Yeah. But the third quarter was a, a one-point Cologne advantage again, which obviously left them down 11. And you're leaving yourself when you've already had 10 minutes to try and make a dent in it it, to start the second half, you're then leaving yourself effectively the same proposition with half the time left. And while they did get, you know, seven points clawed back to make it a four point game, it just feels like had they had a bit of a run in the first five minutes of the second half, this probably would have swung all the way back to a Hanover win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can't. You can't when you're trailing. You can't come out and draw the third quarter, and it's just it's a death sentence, even against a team that hasn't proved to be hugely competitive up to this point. You're leaving yourself too much work to do. I would say. 
Yeah, 100%. I also just like, I don't think Hanover were massively being forced into taking shots that they don't normally take. They just like, I don't know, if no one has it that day and you shoot 35%. Like, yeah, I, I do think I know, you shoot, shoot 42% and you win a game. Like, I, I do know, think it's no funny in games like this, it feels like, and Jan Haller is like the heart and soul of Hanover United. He's like obviously helped build the club and whatever else. And it always feels like in games like this, like the equivalent of Chemo with Bill Bow as well, where it's like, right, we're not playing well. I'm good. Like, I care about this club enough that I will see if I can single handedly drag us to a win here. And Jan Haller was by a long way Hanover's best guy with 21. Um, but yeah, they just, from their other castle guys, they just didn't get enough. Um, and I thought a sneaky advantage for Cologne was the fact that their low point as they run out with their starters, Frank de Jong and Alex Kaiser, had 9 and 12 respectively on 66% shooting. And it's like, Cologne have got that much size and obviously Mustafa on the ball you've got to worry about giving up. You know, most teams would say, hey, if we get there, if their two lows shoot a combined 15 shots, we feel pretty good about it. But they yeah. also... You know, they made two-thirds of those 15 shots. So some of those games, that's going to happen, man. I don't know if I believe that Cologne have found the formula here or if their their options further down the hierarchy just made their shots in this game. But they showed up to this one in a way that I don't really feel like Hanover did. So, yeah. No, I feel like any team, like the textbook to play against a team that has two ones on the floor is like, yeah, force the ball inside, we'll figure it out. But especially like Hanover are pretty big across the board, but those guys, fair play to them for scoring efficiently because that really makes a difference. But 100%. Nice one. Big win. Yeah, yeah shout out to them. Kind of sneakily, not like, not making any great waves themselves at this point, but like securing their own safety, climbing up a bit, and also just raking havoc among the league because they've yeah. now beaten Hanover and Wiesbaden. Yeah, I think this um, actually with the Wiesbaden beating Munsterland the other week, I think this means we're potentially in a three-way, or maybe not yet, but by the end of the season, there's a very good chance there'll be a three-way tie for the kind of three, four, five spots, and it might come down to points difference. Oh, cool. Thanks for the chaos, Cologne. We love it. Yeah. Playing spoiler. Yeah, so that's basically everything we've got for this week. Do we want to talk about some belt candidates? Uh, yes, it's disappointing because we don't have the stats, but I just felt like there was a point in the Vigo Canarias game, considering that they were playing for a spot in the Copa del Rey, that everyone's offense just dried up except Raul Vegas. And I feel like he shot 80% and must've had 20 points. Um, I think giving the award out blindly to a game with no stats is the true essence of the belt. And also crucially, someone sent me a message in the middle of that game being like, (laughs) if this, if this game goes their way, Raul needs the belt. This is unbelievable. And it's not like, it's not like, can you tell us who it was? Uh, yes, it was Ari. <laughs> Ari was like, Raul needs the belt if they win. And I, to be fair, like I, I was watching it maybe half an hour delayed and I didn't know what he was talking about. And then mid third quarter, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, any other candidates? Uh, I don't have 
an argument for you unless you want to get weird and give it to one of the Cologne lows, but I feel like that would be reaching at this point. Like they've had their best game of the season, but I don't know if having your best game of the season is belt worthy in and of itself. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's give it to Raul. Yeah, Raul it is. Cool. Nice one. And yeah, I think that's us out of here. Shall we get out of here? Um, Yeah, if you haven't done already, it's obviously uh, Champions Cup prelims coming up this weekend. We did a full breakdown of it uh, featuring Lee Manning. That was out at the end of last week. So go and check that out ahead of the competition if you haven't done. We're going to get the usual kind of Instagram poll and coverage and stick all the links together as much as we can. So keep an eye on our Instagram. And if you haven't done already, subscribe to our Substack, which is where all our resources go in terms of links for streams and stats and stuff um there's also now a substack reader app on iphone and android so you have absolutely no excuse to not be subscribed and using the stuff that we're putting the hours into yes um and while we're asking people to start with their hard-earned money you may as well subscribe yes and what was i going to say um I don't know if this episode this time next week is going to be out on time based on the fact that I will have been at Champions Cup all week. And so maybe it, maybe it's slightly late by the time I watch all the games, but we'll figure that out. Or maybe I just don't, won't watch all the games. I, we'll, we'll find a way to, we'll find a way to do this, but yeah. We'll make it happen. We need, if anyone is watching particular games and feels like we could benefit from a bit of outside perspective feel free to ping us a couple of sentences at any given point and we'll factor them in that'd be great just like letting someone else make a comment on a certain game so we don't have to <laughs> getting a voice note from someone like after a game to be like yeah these guys were trash bye would be terrible <laughs> right we'll get out of here cool. thank you everybody for listening and enjoy champions cup weekend as it all begins cool take it easy have a good week yep. bye